Greetings and welcome to the Upper Pen Podcast. My name is Dakota and today I'm talking with J.R. Matthews about his book, Jake's Magical Market. Jake is a regular guy who lives who works as a clerk in a grocery store, but when the end of the world comes and he's the only one in his town left alive, he inherits a market. Also, there is magic based on deck building and lots of adventuring. Thank you, JR, for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's very exciting. Sorry, there was a lot of J's there and I just kept stumbling. <laughs> I know, I know. There's a lot of J's in the whole lit RPG world. There's been many threads calling me out for naming my character Jake. It's fine. Uh, Jake's actually pretty unique to me. Normally it's like John, Jim, George, <laughs> something like Jake. that. Yeah. Um, so how did you get interested in lit RPG? So growing up, I've been reading traditional fantasy sci-fi since I was probably like 12, 13. Um, but when I first like brushed against lit RPG 15, 20 years ago, I was like, oh no, that's not for me. You know, I, I'm reading the big fantasy epics and everything. Um, but then, you know, I ran out of those to read because I was reading so much. And so I gave The Land another chance because that was like the book I picked up a long time ago. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. And this time, it worked for me and I was like, okay, this worked. And then I picked up like another one and another one. And I was like, oh man, this is the only thing I want to read now for like the rest of my life. And so I then devoured over the like last four years, I devoured pretty much everything available on Amazon and translated novels and Royal Road. And um, so it's been a long journey, but you know, the last four years, it's been like all I've read pretty much. I feel that. I definitely feel like uh, the vast majority of what I read is lit RPG now. And I'm a hardcore sci-fi girl. Like, <laughs> so it's rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always was too. But now I go back and it's like, gosh, it's so slow. <laughs> like, where's the, you know, it, there's some itch inside of us all that I think lit RPG progression fantasy just like scratches in a way that nothing else can you know i don't know it's very strange phenomena well um so how did you get started writing because this is not your day job right well so at the time that i wrote jake's um i was a public defender um mm -hmm. so i i'm traditionally i was a public defender for 10 years um, so for those people who have asked me who aren't in the U.S. or whatever, a public defender is a criminal lawyer, a criminal defense attorney that represents people who are charged with a crime that can't afford their own lawyer. Uh, and in the U.S., that's like 95% of crimes uh, because we love charging poor people. So, <laughs> so uh, the public defender system, you know, is really exhausting and I was working in a major U.S. city um, for 10 years and um, it had just been really hard on my health and uh, I like I suffered a stroke about five years ago from the job um, paralyzed on the right side of my body and I took 10 days off and went right back into a felony rotation felony trials I could barely type uh, and I was deathly afraid I would never be able to use my right hand again. I've made a full recovery. But you're in the, such an insane mindset as a public defender that it's like 10 days was all I could take. And then I was back in doing felonies and stuff. So, so when the pandemic hit, um, 
a lot of built up like depression or, you know, uh, a lot of built up burnout finally kind of hit because I was going in and out of jails and visiting clients and going in and out of courts. And I was like, okay, I almost died last time from this job and I'm literally going to die this time. You know, I really honestly thought for like a year there that I was probably going to die. Um, and I just, at the time I didn't realize what I was going through. I just lost interest in like all the games and all the books that I would read. I just kind of, you know, I would buy a game on steam and install it and literally not even start it. Or I'd pick up a book, even a comfort book that I knew I loved. I'd read the first page and put it down. And so I was going through a lot of burnout. And finally, I'd had these ideas bouncing around in my head for years. And I was like, well, if nothing's holding my interest and my escapism is gone, I should just write what I actually want to read now. And so I just started writing one evening after work. Um, and after like a month and a half or so, the first book of Jake's was out in raw form. It took a year longer to finish editing and get everything together, but like it just blew up and it was like, wow, I'm like really excited about something again. Like I felt passionate again. And so, yeah. That's really wonderful that you found like happiness again through writing lit RPG. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was exactly what I needed. I mean, the, the fun of it and the, the escapism and just the adventure of it really was, it helped me get through the rest of the pandemic. Um, yeah. So. So tell me about um, Jake's magical market. What is it about for people who don't know? So Jake's Magical Market is about a slacker who's kind of stuck in life and um, the apocalypse occurs, but it's not your normal apocalypse. It's the magical, you know, kind of apocalypse where everything gets split up and shuffled around and the world gets remade and the majority of people die and a new magical system gets imposed on everyone. Uh, which is a card-based system where you collect cards from other people and monsters and dungeons and, and you can make a deck that gives you sort of active abilities and passive abilities. So the, it's not like, a, you know, a lot of people thought when they first read card-based book, they thought it'd be like Yu-Gi-Oh! where you're just summoning lots of monsters and it'd be very boring. I wanted it to be more active so like you get spells or attacks and then you get passive buffs and you can upgrade them and combine them to make more powerful ones um, and all kinds of different twists and turns and then it kind of acts as a currency as well um, and so when he opens his shop uh, so basically as he's trying to survive he is in the market that he lives in that he works in because that's where the food is and it's more secure than anywhere else so he's hiding out in there and um suddenly a group of elves knock on the door and are like are you open we want to buy some of this human stuff and he's so overwhelmed and doesn't know what's going on he's like uh yeah come on in i'm a shopkeeper now and it just kind of snowballs from there where he suddenly it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to run this shop. And, and while I do dungeons and meet aliens and, you know, things like that. Um, so one of the most unique parts of this book is the deck building feature. And it's so strange because I hadn't read any lit RPG with 
decks in it at all. How did you get that feature? So the way it came to me was I had like Jake as a character. And then I had this other idea of like, I, I grew up loving card games, playing magic since I was a teenager and um, all the different, you know, card games that kind of spawned from that. And um, I was like, why isn't there any big lit RPG about card games? Like it's such a huge part of so many of our lives, you know? So, you know, you have VR games and MMO type things is like, but I probably spent just as much time playing card games my whole life. So that separate idea kind of just struck me one evening and I was like, Oh, I could do this or this. And you, Oh, you got to upgrade them. And Oh, you could do, you know, I started just spinning in my head with it. And then I had this idea of the character I was like, I'm just going to mash them together and see what happens, basically. <laughs> it works really well because then, like, we get to see a lot of how the world is working. Um, like you mentioned, it is the economy, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, um, it takes over as you get to the second part. The, you learn more of the, the scope expands and you learn more of how it's essentially kind of dominated the economy and become a way of life and you know kind of uh taken advantage of by the powerful who can you know either take your your most most powerful cards or give you really like bad ones and then you're at a disadvantage forever because you just can't get them and yeah so yeah it was fun to like kind of think up the economic system around it at the same time of the power system and the upgrade system and the way it would really I tried to find a way that it would realistically take over uh, a society when you had access to this kind of stuff. Because why would you trade, you know, why would you trade money when you can use shards of cards and, you know, things like that. So. No, that makes so much sense to me. And then I was like, oh yeah, well then it leads into the, um, so this is the spoilery point of the video. If you haven't read it, shut it off and go read it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so at one point he rescues a bunch of humans who are being oppressed. Um, and so this book deals with a lot of really dark things that come out of economy and shifting worlds. Um, so how did you deal with those? So one of the, I think one of the hardest things some of the fans have come to terms with is the shift between the sort of lighthearted start where he's just in his market, living his best market life. Um, and then things do get darker and he becomes less, or not like less of a hero necessarily, but he becomes more complicated. Uh, things get darker. He starts having the repercussions of dealing with so much trauma and he makes some bad decisions. And, you know, there's, it, it expands in scope in a lot of ways. And it starts kind of with, you know, finding the humans and how they're being exploited. And um, I, I wanted to tell both stories. Like I wanted it to be kind of heartwarming at the same time, but also it, you know, there, there was more to tell than just a simple shopkeeper living in a shop and everything's rosy and perfect uh, because that's not necessarily how it goes and that's not how it works. And, you know, reality starts to intrude. And when he's kind of on his own and he has his friends coming in and, you know, it can be idyllic. Uh, but then, you know, part of what I wanted to do is create that 
that wonderful time in his life. So as things become darker, both the readers and he look back on it and wish they could return. And so a lot of the people who are like, who have said, oh, I wish he stayed in the market longer. Like I, I miss the market, I want more market. It's like, yeah, totally. I mean, I do too. Like, and I, I think it's a testament. I, I, I like to think it's a testament to how great that early third half of the book was because Jake also feels that way. You know, he also wishes he could get back there and the readers are taken along with them as they wish for that simpler time where he got to just do dungeons and, you know, and um, build a shop up and sell things and stuff. And so, yeah. <laughs> it, it just tackles a lot and it seems like it's, it does really well kind of, um, with that nostalgia feeling throughout, because Jake's always like, oh, I want to go back. How do I get back? <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things that the cover, really, I tried to capture with the cover too, because I love that cover so much. And some people thought, felt it was very childish and don't like it. But other people I think have resonated with, it is about the nostalgia of that shop. You know, it, it just, to me, it was like every video game playing, you know, growing up where you love to go into the new shop and see what was available. And there was stuff all over the walls and, you know, like that's such a, there was something there, like such amazing feeling of those games when you were a kid and stuff. And so that cover, I thought captured that feeling too, really well. Um, so when the, I had to go through two different artists and then the third artist, so I paid for these artists, worked with them for months um, and uh, just did not like it. And then I found this amazing artist and worked with them and got that third cover. And I was like, this is it. I've never seen anything more beautiful. Like it was so amazing. Like my first book, I don't know if anyone's even going to read it, but like, I love this cover. I'm going to put it out there. So It is a really wonderful color cover. And it reminds me a lot of um, the Phantom Tollbooth cover. So I was like, yep, I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it helped me. I, I really honestly expected like a hundred people to read the book. I just wanted to put something out. I was like proud of that. I could feel good about. Um, but I think the cover helped catch people's eyes and, um, and then it kind of snowballed from there. So it was definitely, um, it worked. Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned is the book is split up into two sections. Um, it has the first section where he's on earth and then he leaves earth essentially. Um, mm. Why not put it in two different books? Why keep it as one long narrative? So originally it was two books, um, but by the time the first book was ready and edited and set for release, it just, it was, I love longer books, especially in lit RPG. Like I don't even buy these days. I wish I could, but I don't even buy books under 500 pages anymore. Um, just because I love to live in the world like as long as possible. And so if I'm just going to read it like 500 pages is like a day or two of reading, you know. And so if I'm only going to live in that world for a day or two, I just wait for like more books to come out. So when I was looking at book one only, I was like, this just isn't big enough for what I want for my own book. You know, like, I don't know if anyone's going to read it, but I want it to be huge. I want it to be an epic, like massive book. And then the ending point of part one, just, I hate cliffhangers too, you know? And I was like, I didn't want to end it for everyone on a huge cliffhanger. And, and the thing is, is it probably for financial reasons, it actually would have been more intelligent for me to release it in two parts, right? 
you get everyone addicted at the cliffhanger and they're like, oh my God, I want to have this next book. And then I have it ready to go. And I release it like a couple months later and I probably would have made double the sales. But I was like, I don't care that much about that. Like, I don't want to do that to people. And yeah, everyone now has to wait longer for a sequel because I released both books I wrote at the same time, but they got to read them both, you know, and they got to have the whole journey as I imagined it for like that whole phase. And then now there's going to be a whole second journey. Um, so that, that sounds great. Um, I wasn't, I think I was on team, not a super fan of the beginning of the second part because it changed so dramatically. Um, but by the time we meet some of the new characters in it, I was like, I'm with you. I'm very much with you on this. Um, so you mentioned that other people felt very similar, right? They did not like the shift. Yeah, there's been, I think the big feedback that I've heard is the, the shift was really dramatic. Um, some people wished it was two books. Some people wish you could just kind of stay in the market forever. Um, and I totally get that. I absolutely understand all of that. Um, but at the same time, it's like I gave you a second book for free, essentially. So like, I'm sorry I didn't charge you more by <laughs> releasing it three months later. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think also part of it is as a first book, there's, there's some areas where I can improve the pacing and the tone. Um, and I think with my second book, Portal to Nova Roma, I think I've hit that really well. And I think I'll continue to improve that as I go forward is just, um, you know, it's the first book and there's some, there's just some, per, you know, you're just writing it for yourself in in a lot of ways. So I'm like, yeah, I want to, I want to do this now, you know, or whatever you're <laughs> like. Um, and, and so I think I'm, I'm hitting a, a comfortable medium where I'm still doing the fun adventures and keeping things really interesting and fast paced, but with a, with a more better progression and less dramatic shifts. Well, I thought it was, I thought the shift was really great, but then I expected the book to end, but I'm really glad that you didn't end it there because then I would have met, I would have thought like, oh, the next book is going to be very similar to what I've just read but instead you change expectations of what book three essentially would be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Book three slash maybe three and four combined. <laughs> I mean, who knows, but yeah. Um, I, yeah. Things are gonna. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to write a broader second half or second book. I wanted to expand on things in a way and expand on the emotional toil of uh, toll of going through all that and, you know, um, and just make it a, a bit deeper, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I really liked Tawny as a character to like really hit home on like this other part is other people's homes, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to, well, with Tawny, there's a few things with how much I liked her as a character too, but um, like I wanted to represent a non-traditional family, you know, like these, a lit RPG doesn't have a lot of single moms. Um, and I think that's a, I grew up, my, my dad was very active in my life and I was very thankful for that, but they divorced when I was young. And, you know, so my mom had primary custody. And so um, I think that's a really, it's a really hard thing for a mom to deal with and to try and find her way in the world. And Tawny kind of reflects that of, 
you know, not everyone can live the adventurous life that Jake gets to live. That's a, that's a kind of privilege that he gets to have that she has to think about her child and her family. And um, I wanted to represent that in a way that I thought was really healthy and genuine. I like that she doesn't go with him, that she's like, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought that was an important part because so many books, not just lit RPG, so many books, it's like you, you meet the first, like the main character meets the first woman, like walking out the portal and suddenly they're stuck together for their entire life. It's like, okay, like that's just not how real world and real relationships work. You can love someone and care about them, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. And I wanted to reflect that as well. Um, and that she's got her own life and her own goals. And, you know, he, you know, she would love to be able to run away with him, but that's just not the reality that she lives in. So you mentioned that you're working on Terra Roma. Um, or you, portal, you finished the other two. Portal, portal to Nova Roma. Portal to Nova Roma. I'm sorry. There's another series. I think it's called Terra Nova. Which is a great series, by the way. I think that's the name. It's a wonderful series. But uh, mine's Portal to Nova Roma. Um, I, yeah. I knew which one I meant. It just <laughs> don't work. <laughs> yeah. So that first book, I released it um, about a month ago, uh, book one. And then I had already written the basically what to me is the whole series. Um, because Jake's took like a year for me to get to publication because I did all the card art and the cover fiasco and finding an editor for the first time and getting on their schedule and working with them. And so I had a whole year where I wasn't sure if I wanted to do more Jake's or not. And I just had this inspiration for this other series. So that whole year while I'm working on the editing for Jake's and the, the artwork, I just wrote this whole other series. <laughs> because I was working and I needed an escape still. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to come home every night and I'm just going to do this. And so it's coming out to three to four books and I'm editing every day now, like eight to 10 hours a day, it feels like. And, you know, um, just trying to get through all that because I have to, when, when I have the story in mind, I don't want to shift gears to another story because it's important to me to like finish what was like wrapped up in my imagination and everything. So I can, I'm not one of those authors that can write multiple books at once. Um, so yeah, that should all come out hopefully by the whole end of this year, the whole, the whole at least first big story will be done. And then I might write more, but people will have like a satisfying end to what should be like, I think almost 2000 pages or more of a, a series. That's really exciting to hear that there's like an end to a lit RPG. Like, I don't think I've found an ending yet. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing that I really wanted to try to do is to give a sense of hap like closure in a way that feels very satisfying to this series. Because yes, you know, 15 books in just, you know, is my imagination. Like I have other books bouncing around in my head. Like I want to, I want to create more worlds and do more things. And I want to get to Jake's and like finish my story there. And, and so I, I really wanted to have a real solid, satisfying ending where people weren't like, I mean, people probably might want more, but they also hopefully will feel like this feels good. Like I feel happy with this journey. Yeah. And it's not bad leaving people feeling wanting more, right? <laughs> 
Well, and I already have ideas like of things that could happen in the world and, you know, so who knows, but, but at least it will end in a satisfying way that I, I think will give conclusion to all the, like the mysteries and stories that people want as much as I can do, you know, some might still be hanging out because you never want to, I don't know, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking forward to them is all. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, no, the reception's been amazing on my second book. Um, it's I've been very fortunate. I'm very thankful that people have been reading it and people have left really nice reviews and everything. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I wanted to mention when we were talking about Jake's and I forgot all about is you have a PDF of the cards in, yeah. <laughs> in the book and even attached to the audiobook. Yeah, so at first... Um, we released the audiobook, and it just didn't even occur to me that people wouldn't be able to see the card art. I don't know, you know, uh, the whole audiobook world was a mystery to me. Um, I've never listened to audiobooks, and I know they're popular, but it just, you know, that kind of came out of nowhere for me. And it didn't occur to me, like, oh, they don't get to see this card art that I, me and my artist worked forever on, you know? Uh, and so then I was like, oh, I reached out to the company that I, I signed with, Royal Guard. Um, and they were like, oh, I think we can attach it to the audiobook. Let's do that. So I posted on one of the, the Lit RPG groups on Facebook, like, hey, if you haven't seen this, I've made all these cards, like these things are out there. So I shared them for everyone and then we attached it to the, um, the audio. So I'm glad it's showing up. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, want, I wanted it. You know, I just wanted a book that I felt really proud of. And I was like, I want to make these cards. Like, cost a lot of money, probably more than I should have spent, especially because I didn't know if I'd make any money from the book. But I was like, I'm going to do it. It took a lot of time, but it was really fun to work with the artist. And um, it was just something I felt was really important. It seems like you did a lot, a lot of extra work with this book. Like, you worked with several different um, cover artists, then the cards. Did you go back and forth about who you wanted to narrate or anything with that? So I got really lucky with the narration because um, I had heard some of Travis, his work, and I just knew like he was really well regarded and stuff. And so I hadn't decided yet if I was going to sign with a company or if I was going to try to fund it myself. Um, and so I had been emailing with Travis and he's like, I'm booked for 15 years or, you know, he's booked for like three years. Um, so, but he gets openings when other things move around. So he's like, so I'll try to like keep an eye out and maybe I can fit in your book. And so I was in talks with Royal Guard and, and I didn't personally have the money to afford it at the time. And he emailed me saying, I have an opening like right now, today, like, or, you know, do you want it? And I reached out to Royal Guard and I was like, okay, I'll sign with you if you contact Travis right now and tell him we're in. And they're like, yes, here, here's the contract. Here's the paperwork. Like, and they made it all happen. And it just kind of worked out perfectly. And I was very lucky. And Royal Guard's been amazing to work with. I know they're, they're not, I don't think they're particularly well known, but they've been really wonderful, very kind and helped me like understand how this whole world works a lot. And, um, and then Travis has been amazing. He, you know, even when I was, nobody knew who I was. I was just releasing Jake's. He was very responsive to email and super kind. And I really appreciated that because you don't normally see that. Some random person who's not an established author starts emailing you, you know, that goes in the spam folder and maybe you respond in three months. But he was like 
right on top of it, you know, immediately like, yeah, I, I'm happy to try to fit you in. And so that meant a lot to me. That's really wonderful. Cause, uh, he, he seems genuinely nice, but always so overworked. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. I'm trying to find an opening. He's trying to find an opening for me for poor Ultanova Roma. And the poor guy's like, I do, I like, maybe I could break it up and do chunks at a time, but I would like a day off sometimes. And I'm like, oh man, you got to take a day off. Like, don't, you know, like, but also I really do want to, like, you know, but yeah, no, he's, he's like killing himself with a book release and, and doing like a book a week or more like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so after uh, the portal to Novaroma and Jake's, are you working on anything? Do you have any plans? So I got, I have a sci-fi book bouncing around in my head because there's not enough good lit RPG sci-fi. Um, and it's been bouncing around in my head for like a year now. And I'm trying not to think about it too much because <laughs> if I start getting too excited about it, I'm going to want to do nothing but write that. And I got to finish the Jake sequel before I start anything new. Um, but I think that might be my next project. Um, cause I really want some nice, like in-depth sci-fi, but with a lit RPG progression fantasy mix. Um, I want something that like brings some real meat to the sci-fi lit RPG genre. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know when that could possibly start, but <laughs> I hope that that's my next project. Okay. Well, I will keep an eye out. I'm excited for all of your new work. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, JR, for joining me. Yeah, it's wonderful. This is my first interview as an author. Well, congratulations. Um, it's very exciting. Thank you for reaching out to me, and um, I'm glad to be here. I highly recommend Jake's Magic Market. Uh, magical Market. Sorry, words are not my forte today. Um, the audiobook by Travis Baldry is really great and comes with the PDF of the cards. Um, and it's a unique take on Lit RPG just because of the deck building. So, you know, go look at it. Check it out. As always, thanks for listening and have a great day. Bye.